Just made that name up. Uh, what do you think? Mama! <laughs> Off to a great start. <laughs> Apparently the headphones don't work for his mouth. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of <laughs> My name is boring. Okay. Well, I mean, we could go with Coker IRL. No, I just think <laughs> IRL is kind of boring. I love IRL because it stands for Ireland, but also it's an abbreviation on the internet for in real life. You know, like in real life, the voids in real life. I'm familiar with it. You're familiar with <laughs> All right. I've got some other name ideas here. We can go through them if you want. Um, Unvoicled. <laughs> no. You loved Unshackled as a kid. It's like that. No? It's terrible. Uh, this Irish American Life. That's a very popular podcast. It's already a podcast? Well, This American Life. Oh, okay. Um, it's better. What about Adventures in Voidacy? No. <laughs> Adventures Did you in purposely was come so off good. <laughs> Do you purposely come up with names that are terrible? Voidial? It's like cereal. No. Cereal is massively popular. It's also about crime drama. <laughs> like, I hope we're not talking about crime. There's no crime involved in our podcast. Okay. Wait, wait, don't void me. I really like that one. It's like, wait, wait, don't tell me. You can't take the names of podcasts the that you like. And then yes. just... <laughs> Yeah. You clearly don't understand how podcasting works because that's People exactly. People come up what with creative do. names, and that's how podcasts work. The Voightyard shift. It's not about. It's not about coming up with names that already right. happen and then changing we'll it. We'll leave it. We'll leave it to see if we even do another podcast before we come up with the name. That's a good idea. All right, um, but I think it's safe to say that both of us listen to a fair amount of podcasts and radio, and I love listening to radio. Why is that? Do you think? I think it's probably because your family listened to a lot of radio. Not me in general, but like specifically, but in general, you listen to radio. I listen yeah, to but radio. you listen to way more radio than I do. I do. What is what is it that makes radio so good? I um, grew up listening to radio. We listened to a lot of NPR as a kid in the car at home. We don't even have a radio here now. It's just all. Computer. We have multiple radios. Where do we have a radio? In the car. In Abigail's bedroom. Oh, there's a radio in Abigail's bedroom. I'm going to be listening to RTE1 in Abigail's bedroom. That radio was in the kitchen for quite some time, and you never used it. That's true. That's true. All right, well, um, as this is a podcast, we should probably have some actual topics to talk about. Um, this past week, I was at a conference, which is not something that I uh, like to do, typically. But uh, it was a pretty good one. So uh, it was called Rubicon. If you're uh, from around here, you may have heard of it. It's a, it's a conference that is put on by some people who work for the Church of Ireland in Dublin. And I think most of the people involved were from the Church of Ireland or something similar in Ireland. Yeah. And uh, 
They had some great topics. They had Brian Zan speaking. Uh, I had never really heard of or read anything by Brian Zan, but I understand we have... <laughs> Even though we have three of his books on three, our Kindle. Three of his books, but our Kindle broke, so... Pretty sure they, it's like on our computer, it's on the iPad. No, I think to read an ebook, you have to have a Kindle. <laughs> Pretty sure that's how it works. You know that's how uh, Yeah, the iPad screen is cracked too. So so Brian Zand talked, and the title of his book was Beauty Will Save the World. And his point was that beauty will save the world. And he illustrated this by saying that beauty will save the world about 17 times. And... Um, that's why I don't like conferences <laughs> or nonfiction. <laughs> but doesn't poetry fit into the category <laughs> of nonfiction? No, poetry is clearly a category aside from fiction or nonfiction. But um, he got the he got the line from uh, a book that he read. Uh, he, he got the I think it's in The Idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Um, which uh, makes me more than more than wanting to read Brian Zan. It makes me just want to read some Dostoevsky. Um, but anyway, um, I guess his point was that trying to convince people of a certain truth, or to convince people to um, live by a certain moral standard, is. Uh, less less likely than trying to show someone beauty because that's kind of self-evident and that if we can just show the world the beauty of following Christ that will save the world that was the point that he was making but I mean how does he what maybe is beauty for you maybe that's not beauty for me yeah, I mean, there's I mean, definitely he say, some Is he saying that there. there is, like, some overarching beauty? Did he, I mean, did he give examples of what this beauty looks like? Um, n- not really. Um, he talked a bit about Notre Dame, the cathedral, mm-hmm. and about uh, an experience that he had wherein he met someone who had lost their faith but was compelled by the beauty of the Notre Dame cathedral to reconsider their faith. So I guess that's an example. But <clears throat> not sure if that's a super practical example for uh, people like us. Um, Next time we go to St. Patrick's, we'll just wander <laughs> around looking for people. Looking, <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking for atheists. Hey. Are you overcome um, by the beauty of this building? Yeah, or, I mean, the other thing is just that we could build a building that's really, really beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Sometimes, though... <laughs> seems like sometimes, though, what draws people to God is the non-beautiful things, though. And different people's responses to those things. I mean, I think that there can be beauty in someone's response. That beauty isn't always a thing, like an object or a building. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Beauty can also be when people respond to evil and to anger with compassion and kindness and Mm. humility. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely potential for beauty in our actions, in our words. As a poet, I like to uh, bring that in. 
to did it. He, did he well. make some kind of argument, or maybe argument is the wrong word? That's really but, arguing, you know. Did he make a... Did he describe how... Where does beauty come from? Like, was there some kind of... No. Description of, you know, the, the, the reason and that beauty will save the world is because beauty comes from God. Yeah. Like, where does beauty come from? I think and uh, that if was... if it's all our own creation of beauty, then that seems like we're, mm. we're calling people to worship creation, not the creator. Yeah, those are all great points. I'm sure that he addresses them in his book. He, uh, during his message, was carrying his book around and occasionally referencing pages of his book. And I'm sure that that's something that he goes into in greater detail in the book. Um, one thing he did say that I thought was a kind of a dubious claim is that the the absolute pinnacle of beauty in Scripture was Jesus on a cross, and that the cross is something that we need to lift up to people as an example of beauty. And um, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's one of those things again that is it the cross that was was beautiful or was it Jesus' actions on actions, the cross yeah. that were beautiful? Yeah. That's a point that he probably also raises in the in the book. So basically we should read that book, I guess. Um, how about you read that book and I read the idiot and <laughs> we do this podcast again. <laughs> it's gonna take me years though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's gonna take me years too I because the... I have a stack of books that I I'm trying to read. I asked moment. the people at my table, I said, um, have you guys all read The Idiot? Has anyone read it? And they all went, no, no, none of us have read it. And then somebody goes, it's this big, and indicated to me that the reason a lot of people haven't read it is just the sheer volume of it. So mm, That would be problematic for you. <laughs> that would be a challenge Considering you couldn't even get through the Harry Potter book. Uh, the first one. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> the smallest one. Which is like three weeks overdue, <laughs> side note. Really need to get that back to the library. Um, let's move on to some other topics from Rubicon because there were some really good ones. Um, there was um, si somebody called Sister Imelda. I think her name was Sister Imelda something. And um, she talked about the idea of restorative justice, which I thought was fascinating. Um, restorative justice is just the idea that there are lots of people in prison and the prison system isn't helping those people. Um, maybe it's set up to make the rest of us feel good because they're not around us anymore. But it doesn't do anything to benefit, typically, the, these people. And she said, well, there, there are a small group of people who need to be locked away from the rest of society to protect people. That's not generally the case. Um, and that the prison system is just not helping and it's, in fact, making things worse. Um, uh, and so she talked about the, this process called restorative justice wherein um, these people um, are uh, able to reconcile with their victims and able to kind of be rehabilitated in a, in a more holistic way than just putting them into a prison cell. Um, she talked for... She, she was one speaker I, I could have actually listened to for much longer than she was able to talk. I felt like she was only just getting going um, when she stopped talking. But um, Have you heard of this idea of restorative justice? Is this something? Is it something that she practices then? 
Um, it's something that she advocates to be practiced. And one of the things I wanted to hear her say is, um, in what way is this practiced in the world? Are there are there governments who have a policy of restorative justice um, rather than the kind of uh, prison system that most governments seem to rely on? Um, you know, in what ways has this been working well in the world? Um, she never got to that, and then they never got to the Q and A time wherein I was going to be able to ask her that. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think also, too, that it's not so much for people while they're in the prison system, because even after people, at least in America, even after people have served time for whatever crime they committed, that there's not a lot of restoration that happens when people get out, because those crimes follow them, making it difficult for them to get good employment, mm. housing, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I, I guess my question is, does it have to be an either-or thing? Does restorative justice have to be something that happens separate from the prison system? I mean, could there not be yeah. a, well, I think a group what... of people that are helping those who are interested? Yeah. Because... It sounds like a really wonderful thing. By those thing. prisoners that yeah. are interested in, in Because I, I imagine there are some prisoners that are not interested. Possibly. And I think I, I think I, the work that she does is also with a lot of prisoners. Um, I don't I don't know the details of that because she didn't really get into that. But um, she does work face to face with people who are in yeah. prison, who are seeking uh, restoration and and wanting to turn their yeah. Turn their lives around. It's kind of I mean, a it sounds really good. I honestly have yeah. no background at all. Yeah. Or nothing to go on for the justice system, either really in America or here. Yeah. I mean, I, we obviously know less about it in Ireland than we do Yeah. even in America. But it would be interesting to hear about how how is it being practiced now. Yeah. Like even, I think sometimes we think that... Um, something has to be a full step in order for it to be happening. But I, I was actually listening to a podcast last night, and they talked about partial steps. And I think that was a really good thing, because sometimes we think, well, if it's not happening to the complete yeah. end that we want it to happen, then we don't take a part in it at all. But rather, she was making the case that sometimes the best thing that we can do is take partial steps. And recognize that there is beauty in the partial step. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, that full step isn't possible yet. But what does it look like to be taking half steps? I've been taking half steps my entire life. No. <laughs> I think mostly what you do is you talk about taking half steps. Because most of the time, you think, well, if I can't do this to the full extent, then I just, I'll wait around until it happens. What the question is? I think what are you doing? Like for example, like if you can't sit down and read a whole chapter of a book, do you sit down and read five pages? Hmm. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I have to be in the zone. Like I have to be in the book reading zone to read a book, and if I'm not, if I'm not in the right headspace and I don't have the right amount of time. Then I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna sit down and do it. I'm just gonna sit down and do something that takes two minutes, um, which I end up doing 
for hours every day, probably. Some. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying Well, is... you can't talk from over there. That's not going to work. You have to come back over here. <clears throat> Getting that TV started up for Simon again, and we're back. What I'm saying, though, is that sometimes you say, well, I don't have enough time to complete this task in its entirety. Right. But do you do something, rather right. than spending two minutes on Facebook or two minutes on your email or yeah, two minutes reading saying, the news, yeah. like, why not yeah. spend two minutes... Getting closer to that. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, okay, so let's round out the uh, Rubicon topics really quickly. Um, there was a guy who was a law professor somewhere in Dublin. Um, he had a very polished and prepared speech that he gave, which I thought was nice. Um, some of the people didn't. Didn't seem like they'd prepared quite as well. Although I guess as a lawyer or a, if he's a if he's a barrister, then he probably does that a lot. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, I also didn't really get what his point was. But he had some interesting things to say. Um, interesting that you want to bring him up on here, even though you don't. Know yeah. What his point was. No, I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> he has a point. Here it is. Um, he talked about honoring each other, and as Christians, honoring people who are different than us. Um, you know, in insofar as being able to have uh, caring, loving relationships with people, even though they believe differently than us, um, and uh, I, I felt like when he was talking that that's actually something we probably do really well. Um, it was it was affirming to me because I feel like we spend a lot of time honoring uh, the the other groups of people who are in Wicklow already. Um, you know, we. <clears throat> Uh, participate in the Church of Ireland. We um, occasionally uh, participate in what the Methodist Church is doing here. Um, you know, when the Catholic Church does things like oh, that's terrible. When the Catholic Church does things like Good Friday, stop. Good stuff. <laughs> you know, there's a volume thing. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. Who's sending you a four-page text? That's the um, text to let me know that I've gone over my internet um, uh, limit, but uh, I already topped up, so they're like two hours late. But I knew I was going to get them, because yesterday I had 45 euro of credit, and today I had zero euro credit, which means that I ran out of my unlimited data, and all of that credit that I had went away on data. So probably I probably just have texts saying, yeah... You've spent 31 euro on internet services since the 16th of April. So, thanks for letting me know. Um, three. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, honoring 17. each other. Anything else you wanted to bring up from Rubicon? Um, there was another sister called Denise Boyle, and she works in um, various uh, justice-related fields um, with things like human trafficking and... Um, I thought she had some interesting things to say. She was talking about uh, the refugee crisis, and she said that the church in Ireland is waiting for a new government so that we can challenge them. And I thought that was a that was an interesting stance because there's not really anyone in place to really challenge on the issue of immigration in Ireland. Uh, of uh, sorry, what's it called? Refugees, not immigration specifically, but refugees. Um, and they're just waiting for someone so that they can challenge their policy because there are a lot of people who are really disappointed with Ireland's response to 
refugees in Europe. And uh, so far, uh, as of now, Ireland has accepted something. She said like um, something like twenty refugees. <laughs> so uh, <it's> <laughs> yesterday, <bad. laughs> um, before church, well, I guess last week there was a video about refugees, particularly in Germany, and the response of the Nazarene Church. Um, and I guess more than just Germany, but, um, and then a friend of ours was sharing about some of the different, uh, responses and work that was going on with the church in Nazarene in different places with those who are, have, have had to leave their home country. And it's funny, it's one of those things that like you you know, your kids are present and they're listening, but you don't know exactly what they're comprehending. But then, like a week later, so yesterday, Abigail uh, uh, was playing with Simon, and she said said to Simon something like, "Let's pretend that we have to leave our home country and move to a new place." What else did she say? Uh, we were going on an airplane. Yeah. To she likes country. to play airplane a lot. Like we we pretend to be getting on an airplane frequently, but. <clears throat> Uh, yesterday was specifically because we had to leave our country. So. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. It's interesting the way that... She thought that would be a fun thing, though. She did think it would be a fun thing. It and to like be fair, like, like in the video, the kids looked happy. A lot of them did look like they were having fun. Um, well, and just to be fair, like some around. of the... I think some of the work that the church is doing is helping families to... Yeah. At least find, have be able to smile in the midst of this terrible crisis. Like and the bus that's going that the church in Frankfurt is taking around, like the Playmobil bus, yeah. where they they stop and they have loads of different toys for kids and people with bubbles and tea and coffee for parents. Um, they probably also just didn't include in the video the kids that just looked like they were bummed. Yeah, I'm sure. So I'm I mean, sure. I don't want to. I don't want to say, "Hey, being a refugee is not that bad." <laughs> Look, those kids no. are smiling. No, that's true. No, that's true. And I think, but I think that's one of the interesting things as a parent is how do you help your kids, especially kids that are more sensitive. How do you help your kids to be aware of the crises that are happening around the world in a way that's safe to them and their of emotional ability yeah and I, I think uh so far we've just kind of gone for it and we just talk to our kids about stuff when people die and when things happen that are sad and sure but there's a lot of things they don't know about yeah around the world <laughs> yes um but I, I think parents kind of get uh they they kind of get psyched out when it comes to talking about hard things with their kids and actually i, I at least for abigail um, when we talk about hard things with her, she does pretty well um, trying to grasp it, and she doesn't just make her sad. Like She talks about her grandma who died all the time, and she likes to remember her grandma who died. It was a great grandma, but she doesn't like to say that. She just says grandma. Yeah, but it's I put in very simple words and things like that. But I would say as a whole, though, Abigail has very little understanding our, our connection with people who have had to leave their homes with, with, oh, yeah, with violence, with yeah. well, hunger. I mean, I mean, there was some violence next door. Stop. Stop. She, <laughs> they left their homes. Stop. <laughs> she, I mean, she's, 
like kids do. Like she says to me things like she's starving, and mm. I have to explain to her that she doesn't know what starving means. You're not starving. Yeah. So anyway. Well then, uh, all right. I'll just. That'd be our son playing with his headphones. What's going on, buddy? We've gone quite a long time for Simon to be sitting there. So we need to wrap this, probably. But um, I will just bring one more person in uh, from Rubicon. There's a guy called Ferg who spoke, and he's the founder and creator of something called Roasted Brown, which is a coffee roaster and coffee shop in the hip part of Dublin. And... Um, he had some really interesting things to say. He, um, they, they wanted to start some sort of a ministry or some sort of a thing for a long time, and uh, one of the things, one of the things they felt like God was saying when it, when they were able to get a space to start a coffee shop was um, that uh, that God said to them, "I just want you to be normal," <laughs> and uh, I thought that was such a great thing to say because. Um, I don't know. There's definitely uh, there's definitely a lot of not normalness that happens, and sometimes it seems like if you're being normal, you're not being faithful. Um, but he, what he was saying is that they really just wanted to create a community, and it, it worked out for them to be able to do a coffee shop. And uh, I don't know if it would work out for us to be able to do a straight up coffee shop like Roasted Brown, um, but. That's just the way it worked out for them. Somebody offered them a space that they had already been thinking they, they really wanted, and um, they moved in. But he said, this isn't a Christian coffee shop. Um, it's a coffee shop. A coffee shop can't be a Christian. Um, and they just have a coffee shop, and there's a community that has developed around their coffee shop, and they've gotten to a point where... Um, me hungry. We're we getting me hungry. All right. Simon, Waiting do you want to say anything? Idea. Me hungry. He was just saying that they've built a community, and it's not necessarily a Christian community, but it is a community where people feel safe talking to them. Um, and in addition to in addition to honoring others, I feel like creating community is something that we've done really, really well in Wicklow. Um, and. You know, our community that we've created is not necessarily a Christian community, but they know who we are. They know that they know that we're Christians. They know, they know that we're Nazarenes. They, they don't know what that means. But um, I did that. <laughs> this just in, folks. <laughs> it's my fault that Simon's saying he's hungry because you I suggested said him. he was hungry. I always said be hungry before I said. All right. Do you want to say bye to everybody? Bye. Bye. Go away. <laughs> Where are they? They're not on the screen. They're listening to us in listener land. Yeah. Simon, mama. still a little unsure We're how podcasts doing, mama. work. We're, doing, mama. We're not going anywhere, buddy. We're just going to stop recording so that we can attend to your needs. Mama, bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, well, folks, that's it for the um, debut edition of Voice in Real Life podcast. I'm hungry. I hope you enjoyed it. Special guest Simon. I'm hungry, hungry. Mama. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. Alrighty. Any other closing thoughts? Mm, no, I'm okay.
think so. Let us know if you like the podcast and if uh, there's something you'd like to hear us address the next time we do this, which will probably be in, I don't know, August. Um, <laughs> Me done. Me done. Yeah, we done. Me hungry. She basically made the point that um, we're putting people in prison, and it's, oh no, just notice that the volume's all the way down. Oh, that's not helpful. Oh man, we're still learning how to do this podcasting thing. Okay. I really hope you are going to edit it out. Volume down something. So Sister Imelda um, 